honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it Marcus Smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the kid, the god, the legend himself, someone who gave himself all of those nicknames, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, everyone, and we got news. After weeks of rampant speculation, wild rumors, we got roster transactions, and we got a lot to cover. We're going to get to Gordon Hayward leaving for uh, Charlotte. We're going to get to signing Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. We're going to get to where this kind of leaves the team in the future moving forward. But I'm a fan of sports positivity, and the Celtics, they had a successful offseason in my view because they signed Jason Tatum to a five-year extension at the Supermax, $163 million, but if he plays like an, at an all-NBA level, which we know he's capable of, it could be $195 million. Jay, what's your reaction to the Celtics giving Tatum the Supermax five-year extension? We're starting with the Tatum extension? I'm said positivity, bro. This is so expected. The only thing that was notable about this was that he had a fifth-year player option, which is not good from a Celtics perspective. Because you gotta you just gotta crap on everything. I'm not crapping on it. I'm just saying the only notable thing about this, the only new wrinkle about this, that everyone expected him to get the five-year extension. The fact that the fifth year is a player option is notable. After the 2024-25 season, Tatum can opt out potentially opt out the Celtics are on the clock it, they have a five-year clock now Tatum's last year of his rookie deal and then four more years and then he has to make a decision some po- is, some people want to be negative you've already put the Celtics I'm, on the I'm clock. not being I'm not being negative I'm not I'm being here, negative I'm here to celebrate the fact that for the next five years Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will be on the same basketball team and that is a good thing for the Celtics moving forward because all the moves we're going to talk about coming up are negligible uh, because if the Celtics are going to be a championship team, it's going to be on the back of Jason Tatum. So I think it's notable, and we should lead with it because he is the star of the team. He is the straw that stirs the drink, and they locked him up for five years. It is notable that he uh, got that uh, player option because that doesn't normally happen for guys signing the rookie max extensions but he uh, he's a rare case too because he's so good that he can negotiate something like that there Which was no leverage from the celtics, celtics. Yeah. from the celtics problem from the celtics standpoint that's a good problem to have like the guy you're extending is so good that he can 
take a a negotiation where normally guys get five solid years and be like, you know what? I want a player option, and and they kind of have to be like, yeah, you're fucking awesome. We'll <laughs> we'll just give it to you. Please do it. Yeah, the only like Donovan Mitchell got the same deal today, but those are the first two guys I think since it was put into the CBA who have gotten that. I'm just trying to say it's a good thing. Trying to bring some positivity to the world of Celtics. Oh, it's fandom. it's definitely a good thing. I I went hard. Um, not not hard, but that is it is notable, and I think that is the most notable part of it. But Having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both under contract for a long time is a huge deal. And I I know I said the Celtics are on the clock and and, and <laughs> Tuesday, typical Celtics media just trying to, to to an extent they are, but they also have four years at least to get it right with those two guys and and like just just finding to try to find the right mix around them. And now that Gordon Hayward is gone. I think it's even wiser to pivot to okay, those guys are the two centerpieces of our franchise and 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 see what happens for there from from Danny Ainge's perspective. Yeah, you mentioned Hayward leaving. I guess we can talk about that. He's not gonna be part of the building around Tatum. The Celtics have definitely had a downgrade in the talent. Hornets. But what what was your reaction when you saw the Woj notification come in? I literally said, holy shit, the Hornets. That and then was- I saw the number of th- four years, $120 million, basically $30 million a year. You understand why he opted out of his final year with the Celtics for at 34. And damn, I just did not expect Gordon Hayward to get that kind of money. And I know because there's rumors aplenty about a sign and trade with um the thunder that people are like Danny Ainge is getting greedy. He's asking for TJ Warren. He should have just gotten a, a deal done. I don't think Danny Ainge had any control over this. I think Michael Jordan got on the phone and said four years, $120 million. And then there's nothing much that Danny Ainge could do after that. Yeah. Um, and to an extent it was forced because I do think Gordon Hayward wanted to prove he can get back to an all-star level and he wanted more touches and he wanted more opportunity and Boston because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have gotten so good. We're just never going to be able to offer that. So would you even want to offer that? Like Gordon Hayward has the injury history. He's like, he's still under 30, but it's like technically past what do you think his prime would be? Do you want to be spending that much money on Gordon Hayward three years from now? I think Danny Ainge gets a lot of blame for, Oh, Horford left, Kyrie left, Hayward left. But I don't know, not giving Al Horford a, a lot of money seemed to uh, prove to be the wise decision. Like, do you, would you give Hayward that contract? I, I wouldn't have wanted to pay him that money, especially with how much luxury tax the Celtics are going to have to pay. But I do think it's fair to criticize Ainge for the roster dreams that have not come to fruition. Like two years ago, they were sitting in probably pole position in the Eastern Conference from a future standpoint. They reached the they had reached the Eastern Conference Finals. They had Kyrie and Gordon Hayward coming back from injury. They had all the picks and all the young guys, and they wanted Anthony Davis. And they like Kyrie and Durant wanted to team up. That could have been possible in Boston, maybe if Kyrie had just stayed happy. So I think like 
when you look back at everything they had at that point to now where three free agents have gone, I don't think every situation was entirely the Celtics' fault. Like Kyrie got unhappy. Well, Kyrie gets unhappy. Al Horford saw he was on a dysfunctional team and was like, you know what? I can make a lot of money to go play for the 76ers. And Al Horford, I, I know he had a lot of respect for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, Embiid especially. And he thought, you know, after the year in Boston, like, you know what? That sounds pretty good. So I don't think all these defections are like totally their fault. But at the same time, like they had, they built that roster that, had so much turmoil and had so many guys fighting for touches and minutes and all that. And as a GM, you have to know like, okay, let's, let's prioritize keeping this guy happy and not care about Terry Rozier or something like that. You know? <laughs> don't, don't drag Terry Rozier. No, I'm, I'm just saying though, like, like that's a legitimate thing. You have to, you have to be able to foresee issues like that. Aren't they victims of their own success that like Jalen and Jason kind of arrived sooner? I think you can give, you can criticize Danny Ainge a lot for the new big three that he created of Horford, Kyrie and Hayward did not work out whatsoever considering all three of them left. A lot of that's got to do with Hayward's injury, but going to be the, the positivity guy. They had a big three fail, basically three max players and all three of those guys walked and they're still in uh, a position to contend with a superstar and another star on their team. I like, I don't know. Yeah. I think you can, you, you can criticize. I think if we're looking specifically at Hayward, not trading uh, Gordon Hayward, maybe last season uh, because there was this risk that he could walk for nothing. I could still defend that, that decision as like, shout out to it. danger cart who was yeah, calling for that. It's absolutely danger cart deserves credit for that because he was right. Like Hayward, left for nothing you might get something in return in the ways of a trade exception which people you know people are thirsty for trades and they're demanding that trade exception uh sign and trade for hayward but i don't know the celtics were competing that like year clearly were a good enough team to uh compete in the eastern conference i think they would have been a lot better and probably would have made the finals if they had hayward so it would be a very bold move to kind of trade gordon hayward mid-season it kind of be a signal to like you don't think the team can really go for at the finals that year and it just doesn't seem like the something the Celtics would do but now they are left with nothing except for the possibility of a trade exception or like I don't know people are getting real thirsty for Cody Zeller yeah and I, I don't know why people are thirsty for Cody Zeller when Brad the Celtics Steven Zeller connection have done pretty good things that's over fine, the years but Tice and Tristan Thompson are both better and Robert Williams is a guy that they still probably want to develop to some extent at least let's talk about Tristan Thompson because Hayward leaving I think I don't know how all the the roster deals are going to go down and the ordering of things but I believe Hayward leaving made it so the Celtics were not a tax team and could use their full mid-level exception which seems to be going to Tristan Thompson Celtics fans you may know him as the guy who dominated Al Horford in the playoffs for five years in a row uh, dating back to Horford's career with the Hawks He's basically a double-double guy the last two seasons. He's I'm seeing him as kind of the Cantor replacement on this lineup, an upgrade from Cantor. All around a good signing for me from the Celtics perspective. Yeah, I, I think Thompson was a good addition. I think he'll give the Celtics something that they sorely lacked last year, which is 
a defensive-minded big man with size. Like Tice, Tice can play defense. Tice can move his feet. Tristan Thompson can do some of the same things, except he's just bigger and stronger. And, and so he I can think, do the things Cantor did with like getting you offensive rebounds and just being kind of like he's got a pretty good like decent playmaking and passing on like short rolls. Like I've looked into a couple of uh, Cavs people just to hear what they say about Tristan Thompson on Twitter. So this is not my I don't I don't watch a lot of Tristan Thompson film, but they say he's improving as a passer and got a little bit better last year. So I just think it's like an upgrade. Um, and it's kind of a like like you said, a big man that they haven't had before. Uh and something maybe it felt like size was an issue for the Celtics uh, in the playoffs last year, but I don't know if Tristan Thompson's necessarily the answer for someone like Giannis or Bam Adebayo or one of the dynamic big men in the league. Yeah, but he just I, I think from a from a playoffs perspective, which is really the only perspective the Celtics should care about at this stage, I think the upgrade from Cantor to Thompson will just be enormous. Cantor couldn't play in certain matchups. And and Thompson, assuming he can still reach the level he did in Cleveland a couple years ago when he was playing alongside LeBron James in finals, like that is just a major thing to have a veteran who can rebound and he can switch a little bit. He can move his feet. He is like very much a modern center. He's not going to be a high-flying rim runner like Robert Williams. He's not going to be like Cantor, like making post moves that that are very impressive. But defensively and on the glass, I think he's, he's going to be good for the Celtics. And that's all they need out of the center position. They already have the scorers, the ball handlers in their starting lineup. And so I think with – with Tice, Tristan Thompson, I don't know who will start, but with Tice, that gives the Celtics in a playoff setting 48 minutes of solid, solid center play. And and that is a big, big deal compared to what it was last year in the playoffs. I don't know what this means for Robert Williams and Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams will probably play more power forward than than the team anticipated. I wouldn't even be shocked. And this is going to sound crazy, and maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe Marcus Smart will just be the starter from day one. But I wouldn't be sh- totally shocked if, to balance out the groups a little bit, they consider starting Grant Williams at the four and bringing Marcus Smart and and Jeff Teague off the bench. Um, and, and maybe that's just disrespectful to Smart, who's proven himself as a starter, who slid in whenever when Gordon Hayward was injured during the playoffs last year. But I feel like like the bench still needs another backup perimeter guy like yeah. pretty badly unless one of the young guys is ready to contribute Neesmith, Romeo Langford who's still hurt right now, Peyton Even Richard. yeah, even without if it's like the starting question, just the roster construction in terms of minutes, like going from a guy like Hayward uh to um Tristan Thompson, the Celtics just don't have a lot of backup wings and they have more big men and so it makes sense to play more two big lineups with Grant Williams at the four. I'm going to be interested to see how that works with Brad's offense. Like, I don't know if this is strictly a matter of personnel, but he tended to be a guy who likes to play five out. It helps to have Al Horford when you're to kind of do that and center your offense around. But Tice did a lot of that and he started last year. And so it feels like this is based on pure eye test and observation alone, but it feels like Brad is like not really used a lot of two big lineups. 
I think you hope that Grant Williams shooting can kind of improve, but he's not going to be a, like a real three point threat. And so how much, how willing is uh, Brad to kind of do that? The Rochester kind of dictates that, but right now you're back up forwards, I guess. Uh, or if you just do it in the uh, Celtics method of like ball handlers, wings and bigs, you got smart Jalen and Tatum. And then there's a pretty big drop off to Neesmith and Romeo Langford. And so you, you're kind of expecting one of those guys to step up if you really kind of want to keep the depth going. Yeah. I mean, as you look at the Celtics roster, they are thin at backup wing. And and maybe Neesmith can help. Maybe Romeo Langford, when he gets healthy, will be ready for more minutes. Maybe Sammy Ojale will step in because they guaranteed his contract. Uh, yeah, also the news Sh- I Shemi, had to throw in. Shemi will factor in and somehow to that discussion. Although you don't really want him playing too many minutes, I don't think at the three. I I just think like as you look at this team, and I think Teague could be a, a solid addition. I I think if you look at what he did in Minnesota, maybe not Atlanta. Atlanta he was. Well, I was, was looking at his stats. I was looking at his stats today, and the splits from Minnesota to Atlanta last year were wildly different. It was like. Uh, close to 39% from three in Minnesota, and then it dropped to 32% in Atlanta. Just like every single stat across the board, assists per game, field goal percentage just got much worse in Atlanta. I don't know if he really didn't like that situation, but I don't know. I don't know what opinion to have of Jeff Teague, former All-Star. I do like that Brad Stevens has been coveting Jeff Teague for like 10 years now. Apparently tried to recruit him um, back in the day uh, to Butler. You dug up a great quote about nobody. What was the quote from Brad Stevens uh, talking yeah, about Jeff he, Teague? He from was like talking five about years the ago. Hawks like five years ago, and some. I think the question must have asked like, "How are the Hawks going to win sixty games without any superstars?" And Brad was just kind of like, "Well, what's a superstar? Like, <laughs> I don't know what a superstar is, but I know this much: Jeff Teague. There is no one who can stay in front of that guy." And. uh I don't know why I remembered that quote. It immediately stuck out. But yeah, he's a huge Jeff Teague fan. I don't know if that's his normal Brad, like hyping up the other team like he does, kind of Bill Belichick style. But it seems like he's been a Teague fan for years. Jeff Teague is not that same player anymore. He doesn't have the same level of explosiveness he did back then. But I do think when you compare him to what the Celtics brought off the bench last year when they were hurt and when Marcus Smart was in the starting lineup, he's more dynamic. And he's he's a little turnover prone for a point guard. Like is he's a he's a turnover guy. Um I think Not he'll great. Make, I think he'll make some decisions that probably drive Brad Stevens nuts. But like he, he's he's gonna get into the paint. He's gonna make some plays. And I think from a, a creation standpoint he he's gonna bring that second unit a little bit of juice and he can create uh on like his own opportunity way more than brad wanamaker could and shouts to brad wanamaker going to the warriors gonna I be like a uh, bit for him yeah it feels like it makes sense like come in be a backup bruiser like kind of steady the ship a little bit um but teague i think like he'll be sturdy and solid <laughs> and stable over there Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Teague has been just like a solid and uh, point guard. He's a veteran. I think it's interesting that they like the Celtics brought in two veteran role players so far um, because it feels like the it 
the roster's more focused on like clearly who they like their identity of just being a Jason Tatum team. And like, you're kind of bringing in guys to fill that out. I don't know. I, I it's obviously a downgrade to lose Hayward. I don't know. Like the Celtics have less talent, but it might just be helpful from a, a roster construction or identity construction of just like, this team is clearly going to go as far as Tatum and Jalen take them. And so let's try to focus on that and not, maybe they can play their best five core players on the, on the court at the same time and not have it go terribly. Yeah. And I, I think like there's, we haven't mentioned Carson Edwards, but he could be in the, the backup wing mix too. If, if he improves, no chance. If, if he improves, I, I just had to throw his name out there. Um, Tremont's but- got more, more to, likely to play in the roster roster, especially if they drafted Pritchard. I don't think Carson Edwards is much uh, long for this team, but that's go. Sorry. Talking too much about Carson. But if, uh, because so much will be on the starting wings, um, I think there's a chance that this team will not be as good when they're banged up. Like last year when they were banged up, they could just slide Marcus smart into the starting lineup and still have creators. And like Gordon Hayward could take on more of a role or, Kemba could take on more of a role or Jason Tatum could just do a little bit more. Um, Their margin for error has gone, has shrunk significantly just because having that much backup talent with Hayward, like Kemba, they basically didn't play their best five lineup all year because none of their best five were as a, was ever healthy together. Yeah. And so I think you're absolutely right. Just they like, they need to be healthy for being like the great team that they could be for like the entire year. And they can't like one injury to the starting lineup and it really sets them back. Yeah, and and obviously, like they made the Eastern Conference Finals basically without Hayward. Um, I mean, he he got hurt in the first game in the playoffs. They they still made it there. I do think the East is going to be tougher. Um, I do think their their depth is worse. Like they're they're going to even miss Brad Wanamaker unless Langford and and or Neesmith are players. Like I, I think that that depth could be a, a real issue on the wing. Um, but at the same time, like their top end talent is really good. Tatum and Brown have a chance to to grow and develop. And I think, you know, we can see, we could see more from those guys. I think Marcus Smart is e- even young enough that, that he could develop and Grant Williams and, and Robert Williams, even although it's hard to see where he'll get many minutes behind Tyson and Robert Wo- and uh, Tristan Thompson. But like, the biggest weakness is the backup wings. And I think there's something to be said for having playing time for the last two lottery picks that, that you've drafted. And I, I think this will all but force Brad Stevens to play Neesmith, to play Lankford, and and give those guys a shot. And, and they'll see what they need, I think, pretty quickly um, with those guys and 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 maybe they'll be ready. Like maybe Neesmith will just come in from day one and be a pretty good shooter and space the court and not be a disaster on defense. Or maybe Langford can come in and play defense and contribute a little bit more offensively than he did last season. But but they definitely need to find something on that backup wing spot. Or or it could be could be a little weird. Um, and then their depth could run out pretty quickly. Yeah, do you think there's – and we, I know we got to let you go because you're a, a big national celebrity and got to go record basketball, bud. So we'll get you out of here on this. Do you think the Celtics roster is done? Are there any more potential moves? I'm not talking about just trading – like a trade exception from uh, the Hornets, which may be useful. Um, but is, like any chance they actually use a player like was um, 
Jeff Teague, do you know if he was signed to like a minimum contract and they still have another exception to go out and sign guys? Do you think the roster is done at this point? I'm not sure actually what the exact parameters of, of Teague's deal are. Um, I don't think it's, it's totally a foregone conclusion that they stand pat, but at 14, like this could be pretty close to the, the opening day roster. Um, and there's not a lot of guys out there that are like, Oh, that person could make an impact or that person we want to give minutes. Like, I don't know. Everyone seems like they're going to, even if they do have the buy annual exception, that's only like $3 million. At this point, there's no one really you want to bring in to like take minutes away from, I think Romeo or Neesmith or guys you are wanting to develop. It just kind of feels like roster crowding um, to add someone else in the mix at this point. It could be Neesmith time. Green bean. Could be Neesmith time early in the season because Romeo Romeo still hadn't gotten out of his cast when Danny Ainge gave his press conference last week. There is no veteran wing besides Shemi Ojale, who I think they'd rather play minutes usually at, at power forward. So could be Neesmith. Could be a Neesmith be. type of December. Let me let me tell you, Santa may bring some Aaron Neesmith minutes, boys and girls. Well, you, we will see. And if Aaron ho, Neesmith ho, ho. does that, Mr. Greenbean himself, so we'll be here to talk about it. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We'll be back later in the week to talk about probably the Boston Celtics. If you enjoy the show, give us five stars. Tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable!